0: One of the things I want to discuss today, we've already been talking about uh, methods of experiencing samadhi. Uh, The work that you do, the work that you do with the Kriya Pranayama techniques, those are exercises which train your nervous system to turn within so that you can practice concentration, meditation, which results in samadhi. And we know from the order in which the steps of yoga practice are arranged, yama, niyama, asana, pranayama, pratyahara, that, that pranayama comes before the internalization of attention, pratyahara. And so the Kriya Yoga techniques are for the purpose of essentially, priming the body and the nervous system so that it can withdraw awareness within. And then, of course, focus, concentrate, which results in meditation, which then results in samadhi. And it's important to note that with these stages of Kriya Yoga practice, um, we can't overlook the ones that come before pranayama, which are the yamas, and the niyamas, those things that we're meant to do within this life to direct our, our mind and our consciousness and our mental field, as well as the restraints, those things we are meant to avoid. Um, and then asana, fixing the body so that it can sit still. And asana, while it does mean specifically your meditation posture, your meditation seat, it also implies and includes everything which allows you to sit still. Um, So taking care of the body, stretching, strengthening the body, feeding the body well, getting enough rest, um, that contributes to the ability to practice asana. And the yamas and niyamas contribute to that too. For example, how can you sit still if you are so attached to all the various sensations that your body brings to you? Imagine how much better you can sit still if you're able to practice contentment so that you're able to let go of everything just to be at peace and in clarity right now. So we see that Those are just two of the yamas and niyamas which contribute to the ability to sit still in one's asana, which also gives one the ability to practice pranayama well without distraction. And that's very important because, again, as I've said before, we have to let go of our distractions in the same way that if we have an interesting hobby, and when we go down into the basement or when we go out into the garden or when we go into our little private study to attend to that hobby or that interest— during that time we just sink our awareness completely into it and we don't care what the rest of the family is doing or we don't care what is on television or we don't care what's going on um being told to us in the news. We're focused on that thing. So the space that you meditate, the asana, that's like um the area that you go to in order to focus specifically on your inner work. And again, in the stages of Kriya Yoga practice, the, the application, the embodiment, the Great Vow, as it's described, of the Yamas and Niyamas contribute to all of that. It contributes to all of that. So once you have built up the proper foundation and then you're able to uh, tune tune the nervous system, tune the consciousness through pranayama, then you begin to direct your awareness inward. And in the descriptions of uh, Samadhi as we've been talking about it, again, much more could be said about it, but just the general details, that we have these different uh, levels or different types of Samadhi, which which potentially calls the lower Samadhi and the higher Samadhi. And lower Samadhi is with support, and there are even various stages of that. And the higher Samadhi is without support. But the beautiful thing about the process that Patanjali shares, that really all yoga teachers should be sharing with you, is that um, this is a repeatable process and that you have the tools and you have the hardware to do it. And to do it though, you have to kind of strip away some of the mystical expectation of it. That there is a special key that makes it happen that there is some kind of magical formula that generates a state of samadhi. And if you don't have that magical formula, well, then you're out of luck or you don't deserve it or, um, who do you think you are to wake up in this lifetime? But this is the beautiful thing about yoga. And this is the beautiful thing about Kriya yoga and this entire system is that if you are a human being and you are reasonably motivated, um, And you know why you're doing what you're doing Um, and you're able to arrange your life so that you can set aside time to explore this knowing that you've done that with other things in your life so you can't really make too many excuses then you are able to eventually repeatedly experience samadhi as long as you recognize how it's done the support that's required and the stages of the practice So those of you who are here today in this particular retreat setting, you already know the Kriya Pranayama techniques. In fact, you know probably a few other very important techniques as well. Um, You already know about the Yamas and the Niyamas within the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. And if you don't, then you need to study them. And that study, you can use the book, Kriya Yoga, Continuing the Lineage of Enlightenment, which is again the the book that I, uh, published, which is a commentary on the yoga sutras. You could go to kriyogaonline.com if you haven't already and find the, uh, I think it's a 26 hour downloadable course on the yoga sutras of Patanjali. Uh, or if most of you, you are already in the Kriyoga apprenticeship program, the two-year Yoga apprenticeship program in year two, we explore uh, these in particular. Um, and these are, these are basic lifestyle supports that not only support you to live, uh, a yogic lifestyle to, to manifest a divine personality. Um, but they are the foundation to be able to sit still in asana, to be able to direct your attention to pranayama well so that you can release your awareness inside into the inner world, which we're, we're just using that as, a term, uh, it's just a word, an indicator, a pointer, but it's really just the, the heart of consciousness, the, the the real essence of what you are. So how do we do this though? All right. Well, first of all, once you've sat to meditate and you go through your routines, you go through, um, alternate nostril breathing, maybe mantra practice, or, um, Kriya Pranayama techniques, chanting through the chakras. Well, this helps to tune your nervous system, to tune your body, to tune your consciousness. And that's usually related to the Pranayama aspect of things. But now what do you do? Well, now you have to begin to engage uh, the lower form of samadhi. And this lower form of samadhi, you can be in the presence of someone who... Has already mastered this, and that will tend to make it easier for you. But we have to remember that being in the presence of someone who makes it easier for you, it's not—they're not meant to be a crutch. They're meant to—that's meant to give you the opportunity to see what it's like, so that you can figure it out for yourself. That way, you can become strong in consciousness, strong in spiritual realization, like they are, and then your consciousness becomes profoundly influential um, on the rest of consciousness. It's all one thing, just little nodes of particular kinds of consciousness. Um, But anyway, so you have to begin to engage these lower forms of samadhi, which are very simply engaging your thoughts, your emotions, and your imagination. Samadhi with support means samadhi with description, and you can use the support of thinking. And the difficulty or the confusion that arises around this is that we are ten, we're ten. taught, or people have said to us, the whole purpose of yoga and meditation is to end thinking, to end the fluctuations in consciousness, to end the definitions. And that is true. But you have to start directing your awareness using what you have available to you. And um, one way to lessen the fluctuations and changes in consciousness is to focus on one thing. Because then, yes, you are focused on one thing, and that's still a fluctuation. But now you're not focused on the 800 other things which were scattering your awareness. So by bringing your awareness down to one thing, one theme, one uh, one point of focus for chitta, consciousness, chitta to, 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 to define itself by. Well then, uh, all these other things fall away. And then you are having the ability to practice samadhi, oneness, with something, with a chosen object of meditation, which um, is one of the things that Patanjali speaks of, focusing on a chosen object of meditation. So what we're going to see is we're going to have these different levels of consciousness. And... One level is going to be this kind of baseline level where you've got these waves moving. These are your thoughts moving, going up and down. All these different waves. Some of them are just going straight through. Some of them are quite bumpy. And what you're aiming to do is to let go of all the distractions of these waves and concentrate your attention simply by using your mind, your thoughts, your emotions, and your imagination. That's the main thing. So how do you do that? It's really very simple. Uh, we talked about this related to contemplation of the elements, which we know from a yogic perspective from within the the, the history of yoga and the, the the body of knowledge that is yoga, focusing on the elements is, is one of the ideal ways of concentrating your attention. And so we'll just use the example of earth again. Well, if you're contemplating the earth element, you're going to go in stages, but the first stage is what? To sink your mind and your attention into the gross physical physicality of the earth element, which means as you sit there in meditation, maybe in your mind's eye, You are imagining vast, huge, timeless mountain ranges. Or maybe you've spent time in nature and you've seen giant boulders in the forest and you've touched them and you remember the feeling of that roughness, that hardness, that immensity of weight of those boulders. Or you're remembering walking and feeling the earth below you as it props you up, as it supports you upwards or you've seen rolling hills with trees and, and plants growing out of it, and you know that those rolling hills are the heaviness, the density of earth, which is supporting and sustaining these trees and these plants. And you, you, in your mind, you imagine earth as you can conceive of it. And what are you doing? Even right now, you are concentrating your attention, and you are practicing a lower form of samadhi, because when you're thinking about all that stuff, you're not aware of anything else. So the fluctuations in consciousness collapse, and now you've just got one groove of thought, one train of thought. It's like when people say, um, whatever you do, don't think of an elephant. Well, immediately you start thinking of an elephant, which means you can't think of 20 other things. So this is... Uh, This is part of the hardware of the human mind-nervous system, and it has this capacity, and it seems simple, and it seems benign, and it seems mundane, but you should use it, because it's it's going to lead you to uh, greater clarity. So you start with that. You start with the the gross, physical, anything that you could possibly relate to the earth element that is truly, in a way, pure earth element. And you you think of all those things, and in that thinking... Again, the theme is collapsed to the earth element, which means you're not distracted by these million other things. And then what you do is you internalize a little bit more. We're practicing pratyahara. We're practicing internalization of awareness, which means now what you're remembering and feeling are the ideas of the earth element, hardness, weight, density, the sense of gravity, roughness, or sometimes even smoothness, depending on how a rock might be, support, because the earth supports so many things, uprightness. And as you internally contemplate these things, you want to use your, your inner, the inner capacity of your imagination. This is the real use of creative imagination. This is what it's really supposed to be used for. And so when you think of hardness, in your mind you imagine the feeling of hardness. When you think of strength, because the earth element is strong, you think of what it would feel like to feel strength within the body. The earth protects things. Within your body it's the bones. The bones protect the soft tissues within the body, within the skull, within the pelvis. So you think of protection as the earth element. And you're getting more subtle within the theme of the earth element. And what's happening here is the more you focus on it, the more you repeat it in your mind, not as a mantra in a mechanical sense to put you into a trance, but to continuously see and feel the aliveness of the earth element. Again, you are creating a groove, you are directing chitta. you're directing your consciousness into one thing, which means the fluctuations begin to cease in all other ways. And that builds up a momentum. That builds up a momentum and you can remember a time when you've been obsessed with with something whether it was a hobby or a person or an interest or an idea or a project you know that when you've become obsessed with that thing that there's a momentum behind it you can even try to stop thinking about it go for a walk or try to go to sleep and even your mind the momentum continues and you're still focused on that that's because chitta has become focused and now the momentum behind it is consistent, and there's a continuity behind it. So what we're doing with this ability uh, to internalize our awareness and to focus, we are then practicing the next stage within the system of yoga and Kriya Yoga, um, the ability simply to focus, to hold your awareness on one thing, on one point, and that is what precedes meditation. So you go from internalization of awareness to focus, and you're using a theme to get there. And everything you've done up until that point, the asana, the pranayama, the attention to the yamas and niyamas, are, are giving you the energy to make it possible. So then once that once you have in your, once you have in your, your, once you've concentrated your consciousness so that you're thinking about mountains, rocks, hardness, density, gravity, and you're really in it. I mean, you're, you're really actually feeling it and contemplating. You're not just repeating it so much to yourself, although that is part of this process. You have to think in that way. Well, then you want to just take a moment and let it go and just observe how consciousness continues in that direction, how these ideas continue to perpetuate themselves in a type of, uh, Continuous stream. And that is the momentum behind focusing the chitta, the consciousness. And once you sit with that for a moment or two, then you take it deeper to a subtler level. Because we have to remember with the idea of the elements, we are not just, um, we are not just focusing on the gross. We're trying to tune into the great elements, like the blueprint behind all of creation, the experiences that we have. So now, as I was taught, you would then move into contemplation of, say, the bones in the body, and you would you pull your awareness feeling the bones, imagining what it would feel like if you were aware of yourself as a skeleton, the, the minerals within the body. And you feel as though that the bones have life within them. They're vibrating with life, with energy, which they are. And by directing your awareness inward to the life that sustains this element earth within the body, you are tuned to the subtler aspects of the earth element. And in the beginning, it's a little difficult, but eventually it's as if all of a sudden your attention and your awareness is awakened to a real vibration or warmth within the bones. And then you begin to feel the sense of strength within the bones, the sense of durability, endurance within the bones, hardness. You start to tap into these real subtle aspects of the earth element. And your consciousness is now naturally being pulled, your chitta is now naturally being pulled into the bones of the skull, the spinal column, the ribs, the backbones, bones, the, the um, shoulder blades, the arms, the small bones in the hands and down through the pelvis and the knees and the legs and the feet. And when I say it's pulled in that direction, that happens because you eventually, through your continuous effort, are creating like a current of attention so in the beginning you are going to have to hold your awareness there it's like retraining consciousness pulling consciousness into the earth element into the bones but what happens is again the more you do that you're creating this groove in consciousness and it makes it easier for your awareness to slip into that groove every time it gets deeper so it's easier to slip in and not pop back out the deeper the groove the harder it is for your consciousness to kind of pop out the other side once it gets in that groove so then you simply abide in this state of feeling the life within the bones the strength within the bones the earth within the bones and once that um once that becomes so once you practice it so consistently well then you can just simply hold your awareness there and it's like it happens naturally so then you're not having to tell yourself feel the earth element feel the bones feel this within the body and that's when we start to hit that point which we could start to call um, the higher forms of samadhi samadhi without support samadhi without description because now you're not talking you're not talking about it to yourself you're not imagining it you're not describing it There is simply that momentum that continuity and so the samadhi with the earth element is happening naturally it's flowing in that direction and you might only be able to do that for a few seconds to a few minutes in the beginning but eventually through practice of what we're describing here it becomes easier and easier and easier and easier until you can bring it there and then you don't have to do these things you just simply experience Samadhi without support, without trying to tell yourself about it. So you see how we've gone through these stages of the Kriya Yoga practice and how the Yamas and Niyamas give the foundation for your life to be able to do this. The practice of Asana gives the ability to sit still. So now you can practice Pranayama, the Kriya Pranayama techniques which refine the nervous system which which clears out a lot of the debris the energetic debris that distracts you so now you can start to pull your awareness within and do this inner work of focus of focusing on something and today i'm just using the example of the earth element just for teaching purposes and then once you learn to focus within you realize that that focus develops a momentum it it begins to pull chitta into a oneness state because it's only looking at one thing and then that momentum becomes it it has its own force and so then you're able to experience samadhi without support and that's how this practice goes and you can do this anyone can do it with practice you just have to recognize the steps and engage the steps fully now this can be done um with anything you want to contemplate and we have to remember in the yoga sutras of patanjali one of the things that patanjali says um one of the things patanjali says is that meditation is kind of focus or or directing your attention to your chosen object meaning the object you want to focus on the object you want to have samadhi with now, going through the elements, that is training you to have this capacity to do this process, and it has some other benefits as well. Um, and the idea of the elements, focusing on the elements, it comes from Patanjali, which we know is a Kriya Yoga text. But there are other um, there are other things to focus on, and these come from Chapter Three and the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali. So we're not necessarily going to get too much into that, but you can read through the um, Yoga Sutras, and you can read through Chapter 3, and you can use the same principle, the same process, based on what those statements are in Chapter 3 that you want to focus on, that you want to experience. But again, the point of those things is not to... Uh, give you powers to show off. They're to give you the greatest power of all, which is the capacity to experience and practice samadhi. And that is what Kriya Yoga and yoga is all about. Um, You can do this with, as I mentioned yesterday, the ideals of God, even infinite consciousness and infinite space. You know, there are descriptions in yogic texts of... um, the imperishable the eternal aspect of the infinite is beyond concepts beyond time well you can practice this if you are able uh if you've got the 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 mental agility i suppose at this point in time and if you don't you can develop it to wonder uh, what would it like if if i was uh, one with the infinite divine well then you have to break down what are the qualities of it what is infinity you wonder about what infinity is. You wonder about what it would feel like to feel infinite. What would it feel like if you were beyond time? So you take the qualities of the thing that you want to um, have samadhi with, and you either start by questioning, wondering with curiosity, not with stress, but with curiosity, wow, what would that even be like if I was beyond time? And that takes a subtle kind of uh, mental process to get there. So if you don't have that, don't worry about it. There's other things you can do to then, okay, well, this is what I imagine it would feel like to be beyond time. And your imagination, while it might not be exactly accurate, it's going to give you access to the real experience if you can continuously hold your awareness there. Because how you hold your awareness, in a a sense, directs chitta, directs your consciousness. So by holding your awareness on one thing, whatever it might be, then the fluctuations and changes in consciousness, most of them begin to cease. And then you're able to practice samadhi with one thing. And that is still a fluctuation within consciousness, but you're going to be much closer to the ability to transcend it all once you develop the capacity to do it with one thing, because then your work is just going to be how to let go of that one thing. And that's a little bit beyond the scope of what we're getting into now, because for now we want to, or I want to train you or or share with you how to continuously, consistently train yourself to be able to experience samadhi. In the same way that a professional musician has trained themselves to be able to just get up on a stage and play, and then they're not worried about whether they're going to do it right or not. 90% of the time, they're going to do it just fine. And the other 10%, they don't worry about. So we want to get you to the point to where you, 90% of the time, you can get into a samadhi state when you meditate. And then the other 10% of the time, it's just, you know, stuff happening. So you don't have to worry about it. But you can do this with uh, ideas of of what you consider God to be. You know, if you're a Christian or have a strong emphasis towards um, Christ, well, imagine. Well, what is the Christ consciousness? What would that feel like to be in the presence of the Christ consciousness? What if I was the Christ consciousness? What if I resonated with that? And you, what I do when I tune into that kind of thing is I imagine just such a radiant, beautiful light, and I consistently return my imagination the words in my mind, my feelings, to that light. I see it in my mind's eye. I tell myself, there is light. This is the Christ consciousness because the words keep me focused. I imagine if that light was radiating around me, through me, with me now, how would I feel? And if you were in the presence of the Christ consciousness, you would feel light and free and cared for and full of love and protection and safety. So you bring up these things. And by contemplating this idea of the Christ consciousness, these are just words and ideas that I use, you can use your own, by doing that consistently, what you are doing is you are practicing meditation, focus, concentration, so that you can eventually have samadhi with the actual experience of the Christ consciousness. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with with spending as much time as you need in the lower form of samadhi, which is where you're just talking yourself into it, imagining it, feeling it. But if you hold it there long enough, that eventually that's like an incubator. And it eventually opens up into the direct experience, and you can just let go of all of that uh, mental energy and imagination. And then you're like, ah, there it is. And then you, you remain there without support for as long as you can. And it might not be that long, but you catch a glimpse of it. But you keep coming back to it. You keep deepening this groove on that one thing, on that one bit of experience you want to have until that momentum every day builds up. And then the length of samadhi becomes longer and longer and longer until you finally develop the capacity over years to simply say, all right, let's experience samadhi with the Christ consciousness. You do a little pranayama, and you close your eyes, and you're right there. And that is the beauty of yoga, uh, yoga sutras of Patanjali and the Kriya Yoga process, is that if you realize this, and of course, you have to recognize as it states in the yoga sutras of Patanjali, um, that stability in yoga practice, uh, this is stated in the yoga sutras, stability in practice comes after a long period of time of practice. So, it's written, it says, you gain stability and, and success in this after a long period of time of commitment and practice. It doesn't say, get the perfect guru, find the, the magical formula, um, get your stars aligned right. It says, through consistent, repeated practice, one becomes stable in the ability to experience yoga or samadhi. It's as simple as that. Whatever stuff you've got in your way that doesn't allow you to believe that or to engage in it or to try it, that's your job right now is to figure that stuff out and get rid of it. That's your job. So we have a question here. The question is, could you give some other examples of when people experience samadhi with support outside of meditation? On Monday, you gave an example of people experiencing samadhi with anger, where they are so absorbed in the emotion and are identified with it. So, um, yes, we experience all kinds of samadhi. And, again, the practice of yoga is to consciously direct the experience of samadhi. To consciously direct it. Um, anytime that you are utterly engaged, meaning absorbed in something, you are in a state of samadhi. Which means when you watch your favorite movie, if all you are aware of is that movie, you are in the state of samadhi. Now, it's not a spiritual samadhi. It's not a samadhi like the yoga sutras are aiming to get you to break through into, because they're the, the process of yoga is, is trying to free you completely of identification with all things and concepts ultimately but you have to start you have to start um freeing yourself of most things and just focus on one thing. <laughs> That's why we have this practice of samadhi before you step off into the deep end and let go of your, your last raft or your last safety net. Um, but anything anything that you find yourself engaged in that that's all you are doing that is in a sense a state of samadhi um, when i play music uh, sometimes I remember many times uh, i remember many times playing starting to play my musical instrument and getting into it and then looking at the clock and thinking wow has it been an hour and a half I was so caught up in what I was doing. I told myself, I'm just going to play for 15 minutes or so, you know, just to have a little bit of time. But then I look over at the clock and all of a sudden I realize I've been playing for an hour and a half. And then I say to myself, well, I'll just play a little bit longer. And then sure enough, another hour goes by. So there are certain things that it's very easy to um, to experience that with. Um, things like emotions where you completely lose yourself. Well... Yes, technically that is a kind of samadhi because that's all you are aware of. But it's, it's, it, if, if we're talking about lower samadhi, spiritually speaking, well, that's, we're going to call that unconscious samadhi. And that's what most people experience in life is unconscious samadhi. So what we're aiming to do is, um, bring this awareness of oneness, this awareness of the ability to direct consciousness Um, to experience consciousness as one whole unified thing um, again on a conscious level where it's not something where you just blank out or it's not something where um, you you end up acting in a certain way and that's all you're aware of at the time but then you don't remember any of it or you, you can't believe that 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 you behaved in that way. You know, those are, in a sense, unconscious forms of samadhi. So regarding practicing samadhi, do you recommend we start practicing this or to pick one focus? earth element or Christ consciousness and stick with that? Or is it okay we practice with different focuses each time? This is a good question. Um, and ideally, you don't want to use too many different points of focus. One or two is fine. You know, for example, the practice of contemplating the elements. Well, you're using at least five different points of focus there, but they're the elements, and there's a theme to that practice. And the, the theme kind of repeats itself, so it continues to generate this momentum mm-hmm. of a particular uh, ability to experience samadhi. Um, but if, for example, you want to meditate on Christ consciousness, or the idea of Vishnu, or Shiva, or Lakshmi, the Divine Mother, or, um, infinite space, or infinity, um, these types of things, it's really better to just pick one and stick with it for a good long time, until you have the breakthrough of realization with that thing. Of course, we have to remember that um, the mind does do well with breaks every now and then, meaning, well, I would like to encourage you to focus on one thing, um, Having something else that you can switch it up with every now and then helps to keep the practice fresh. So in an ideal world, yes, one, um, but realistically speaking, having one to maybe three things that you consistently contemplate or you consistently try to practice this with, um, that will probably work better for you in the in the long run. And again, you have to remember the stages of it. You've arranged your life so that the practice of the yamas and niyamas are in effect, or you're doing your best to put them in effect, as how you live your life, how you treat people, how you treat yourself. It's like the values that you live by, which gives you um, spiritual strength. It gives you the energy to do this, the capacity to do this. And then you've taken care of your body through diet through regular exercise and rest, uh, managing your resources well. Because um, the asana, uh it's not just your body, it's you know, how is your is your environment arranged such that you have the ability to do this? Do you have a space, you know, like with your hobby? Do you have a little basement you can go to or a shed you can go to where you can shut the door and it's set up so that you're able to do your hobby. Well, you have to have your space set up so that you're able to 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 sit in your meditation posture and do this work without distraction. And then you practice your, your meditation techniques, which when you do them well, there is a cleansing effect on the nervous system. There is a cleansing effect on the consciousness so that if you do the Kriya Pranayama well, And you're engaged in it because you can practice samadhi with this too by giving your full attention to the sensation or imagining or feeling the current rising up through the spine or if you're using a mantra technique by giving your full attention to what the mantra means so you see even the preliminary practice of pranayama um, contributes to sculpting consciousness to directing consciousness in this way but then once you've gone through those preliminary practices and you're in the silence Of course, you want to sit for a while in the after effects of the practices. That is the ideal. But then we have to remember that this work of yoga isn't just doing an exercise routine so that you relax every now and then. It's to answer your spiritual questions. It's to give you a realization of what you ultimately are, what you truly are. And so then you begin to practice this effect of um, samadhi, where you you choose your point of focus. You've moved on from pranayama, you've internalized your awareness, you choose your point of focus, and then you start with stage one, which is samadhi with support, which means you think about, you say in your mind, you affirm, you imagine, you feel anything that relates to what it is you're focusing on. You know, the example I gave with focusing on an aspect of divinity. Well, in my mind, if I have a picture of divinity, I imagine in detail what what it would be like to be in the presence of that divinity? What it would be like if I was able to see the light within divinity's eyes? If I was able to um, know that I was in a field of support and, and 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 being blessed? You got to get in there and engage all of that, and that is samadhi with support. And then after you get into it, you've got the momentum rolling. Well, then you just sit for a little while longer, and you'll notice that your mind and your body and your consciousness, there is a, a continuous wave, a continuous thread where all those thoughts, all those feelings, all that focus perpetuates itself without you having to do anything. So you feel that real gross aspect of it. Gross as in having to use words and thoughts and things. And then what you want to do is begin to contemplate in a sense a deeper feeling a deeper essence of what it is that you're thinking about, of what you've been imagining. And you're pulling your awareness even more internally. So if I had been focusing on an aspect of God or divinity and I was using an image or a picture and all these types of things, well now I would let go of that and I would simply feel in my heart or along my spine, along the, the, the central, the, the core of your being, I would begin to feel if I was one with this divinity, if I was one with the infinite, what would that feel like inside? And I con- con- consciously and continuously bring my awareness back to that and, and as though it's happening deep inside of me. And then eventually, once that momentum has gone on long enough, then I let go of the trying or the, 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 the intensity of focus and I just rest. And I just wait and I feel. I'm not trying to talk myself into anything. I'm just waiting and listening and feeling, holding my attention there. And this in time will result in what's called the higher form of samadhi, which is samadhi without support. And you you repeat this consistently, daily. And of course, at the end of it all, we have to remember before you conclude this is a various. This is essential part of the practice. So you don't want to overlook this or miss this. This is an essential part of the practice. You always observe what you have experienced and acknowledge that you are the seer. You are the witness. You are that infinite presence for which this exists. For you are that which has been able to see and experience consciousness chitta having a oneness with your chosen object of meditation so you you see you're training yourself to concentrate your chitta your consciousness so that the majority of the fluctuations and changes fall away but at the end of it all you do pull yourself back to remembering that you are the seer, you are the eternal witnessing consciousness which had the capacity to perceive this, to experience this. And that might seem very subtle and very difficult in the beginning, but the more you wonder about it, the more you struggle with that idea of, okay, so I am the seer which was able to perceive all of this, the dense aspect, the, the gross aspect, as well as the subtle aspect in that experience of samadhi, what is happening there, is then you are collapsing even um, that that final fluctuation. And so you're, you're beginning to direct your awareness back to the eternal, which you can't think about, you can't define, you can only be it. And so in a sense, you're giving yourself permission to kind of wiggle into that spot of being and kind of get a little bit comfortable there because you're not used to it usually. Usually. And in time, the more you do that, it's like you start to realize, oh, okay, if you've got a new car, you know, here's where the, the, um, the gear shift is. That, that's, that's how I reach the pedal. This is how I hold my hands right on the, uh, uh the steering wheel. It's like as you begin to continuously s- sit back into the witness experience, it's like you're becoming comfortable with the experience until it becomes natural. So these are, Um, the stages of Kriya Yoga, so that, so that if you, if you begin to really try and engage them, you will, through the years, become skillful at practicing Samadhi. And it's easy if you just keep trying, if you just keep doing it. Um, and in a way, you might have a little bit of resistance to that because of all the stuff that you've been told over the years, or the um, myth of it, and the, the legend of it, and uh, these types of things. But those yogis that you know, that talk about experiencing it, or the, the ancient sages that you know that have experienced it, this is how they did it. If they weren't blessed with just uh, an immaculate uh, one-off experience where it happens to them and that's it. You don't wait around for that. Of course, that's what's going to happen after all of this practice, but the practice itself is going to encourage it and you're going to become skillful at it. And the, the other important thing to remember is not in any way to develop a sense of uh, pride around it. It's not something to be proud of. It's just something you can do. Other people can't do it because they don't try or they're not interested in it. But every human being who has, uh, the ability to understand and to practice and to be disciplined can do this. Every human being within reason has the ability to do this. In fact, it's our birthright. We're supposed to do this. This is, this is what uh, liberates us. And if we just let it be a natural thing not to, to flaunt, not to be proud of, but just to grow into, um, then you will be fulfilling the purpose of Kriya Yoga and you will be fulfilling the purpose of your life. And then in a flash, uh, you will know what you need to know when you need to know it. And in a flash, your worries will dissolve and your, your, your unnecessary sadness and grief will dissolve. And you will be appropriate to every moment. And... Why this is so beautiful, and why the body and this, this human organism is so important is because this is the crucible where this stuff happens. And the more you go through the process, and the more you, at the end of it, as I described, keep acknowledging that you are the, the seer, the witness. Well you do that enough, eventually you realize the persistence of the seer and the witness or your spirit. How it persists through everything whether you're dreaming, whether you're active and going on a bike ride, whether you're with your loved one, whether you're having an argument with someone who's trying to take advantage of you, whether you are grieving over the loss of a loved one, whether your own body is dying, you are pristinely aware of that spirit, that essence, that witness, which moves through, transcends, exists throughout all of that. And that's why you're free because then you see what you really are in relationship to uh, the changing phenomena of nature. Um, And this is the beauty of Kriya Yoga process. This is the beauty of the yoga process in general. This is the technology, the spiritual technology, um, that humans are meant to engage and it is rigorous and it is not necessarily easy. That's why they talk about it as discipline and austerity and the sacrifice that's involved in it. Um, but if you are inspired to do it, it's really a beautiful thing. This episode of the Kriya Yoga Podcast was made possible by donations from Kriya Yoga Apprenticeship students and supporters of our Patreon community at www.patreon.com forward slash Yoga.